Welcome to this episode of the Things That Matter Most podcast, where we dissect the practical and cultural and spiritual issues in our world today using Jesus's message as our starting point. My goal is that you find yourself challenged and equipped to live more like Christ every single day. In today's episode of the podcast, we're moving into the really the third episode of our series on awakening 21 days of prayer and fasting, where we have been looking to start this year in a different position on the best foot possible as we drive forward with our relationship with Christ. We have been actually going through a devotional titled Awakening 21 days of prayer and fasting, which is available as a uh, series on the YouVersion Bible app. Um, also, you can read the book by Stovall Weems regarding 21 days of prayer and fasting. It has been a real privilege to kind of be together in this and to be doing uh, these episodes of podcast on the correlating days during the fast itself. And I know that I have been experiencing strange and unusual things as we've been in the middle of this prayer and fasting because what God does is he uses this as something that's very good for us and the enemy hates it. And so there's a whole lot going on. And so in today's episode, what I want to do is I really want to talk about uh, this idea of, of how do we, as followers of Jesus, put aside the things that distract us and look towards the things that God wants to do for us, specifically in the realm of worry. There are things that consume our lives that God doesn't want to have consume our lives. And so we're looking at Jesus's teaching in Matthew uh, chapter six, and I am really, really excited to do so. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode of the podcast. Well, I said before that I really am excited about this episode of the podcast because we're looking at this really, really neat passage in Matthew chapter six, which I believe will actually give us a really cool insight onto something that Jesus took really seriously, which was trusting God with the various things that go on in our lives and the various things that we go through, especially relating to the things that we perceive as absolutely essential. Whereas Jesus would say, maybe they are essential, but you need to look at it differently. And if we can get this thing right, I really believe that this time of pursuit and as we go into this upcoming year can be very, very, very different than before. Um, and it's a continual realignment of our worldview and a realignment of our understanding of how God interacts with our life. But this is a really, really great place to get started on. And so Here's what I want to speak about, and this is what I want to say straight up front, and everything will correlate to this. I believe that God wants to free you from fear. It is one of the enemy's only weapons, and maybe fear is the enemy's only weapon. And I will tell you this, there have been a lot of things I've been afraid of, and fear is such a powerful tool in the arsenal of the spiritual forces that are against us, the spiritual forces that are looking to ultimately derail us and destroy us. Uh, from last week, you know, these spiritual forces would be the thieves and the robbers. They're trying to get in and to kill the sheep. And so God wants to free you from fear. I can remember when I was young, um, as a preteen, especially not so much, maybe as a teenager, but definitely as a preteen, I had this fear of being the very last person that was awake in the nighttime at my house. 
Um, for whatever reason, if somebody was awake or if my parents' light was on in their bedroom or somebody was downstairs, I felt a great sense of comfort from that because I always struggled like to fall asleep. I always I always struggled to think, how is it that I'm going to fall asleep? And even as an adult, sometimes I struggle to fall asleep because my mind gets going and I start thinking about things and what if I can't fall asleep and all these all these different factors. And so I really used to struggle. It really used to cause me like a significant amount of distress. Uh, so much so that I would very frequently go out into the hallway of our upstairs and I would lay outside of my parents' door just to be closer to them. I would sometimes see if there's any way that I could sneak into their room and sleep next to their bed just so that I could be close to them because being close to them really brought me a lot of comfort. But this was a crippling fear that I had in my life. The problem is, is that it was coupled with what now as an adult I understand to most likely have been seizures when I was a child because I would have these neurological sensory events that would come on and then would go and would cause me severe difficulty. And as an adult, as those things have continued and as I have developed a full-blown seizure condition, um, neurologists would say that those are probably seizure events that were happening when you were a child because they've been so consistent and regular. And so all of this combined together created a great deal of fear in my life. And I'll tell you this, fear is terrible. Real fear, not even just worrying, but fear itself is just, it's bad. It will absolutely control your life if you don't get fear under control. And fear certainly controlled my life for quite some time because um, I couldn't even just handle something as simple as bedtime. You know, and um, there are all sorts of things that we're actually afraid of. Right. You can be afraid of things that are not uh, quite so bad. Right. You can be afraid that your performance of you won't go super well or that, you know, somebody will think down upon you. And then you can also be afraid of things that are uh, crucial to your existence as like a human being, like things that are absolutely essential. Uh, there is this uh, there's this way of kind of describing the human experience that says, what are the things that are critical to existence? And then you get further away as far as things that are less critical. And so if you think of a think of like the old food pyramid, um, if you think of a triangle or a pyramid with a base layer, um, the base layer of survival, what's required to be um, to exist, essentially, our physiological needs. Those are things like breathing and food, water, shelter, clothing, and sleep. Those are things that you don't get to live without those without those pieces to one degree or another. Arguably, shelter and clothing, uh, you may be able to get away with. But either way, those are base physiological needs that's almost impossible to live without. Surely, breathing food, water, and sleep. You cannot stay alive if you don't have those things. So if you kind of have that as the base layer, the pyramid, you go up and that's safety and security, which are things like health, employment, property, family, and social stability. All those things are essential and are core to the human experience. If you go up again on the pyramid, as you know, it gets smaller and smaller as you go towards the top, you have love and belonging, like friendship and family, intimacy, and a sense of connection. Then if you go up again, you have self-esteem, which is like confidence, achievements, the respect of other people, the need to be a unique individual. And then if you go all the way to the top of the pyramid, you have self-actualization, which are things like your morality and creativity and spontaneity, acceptance, experience, and purpose, and ultimately meaning and inner potential. And so you have all of these things that God made us to experience as humans, and he put in this 
even if that's not a perfect order, he put in this somewhat hierarchy of reality. And so there are really serious needs. But Jesus does this fascinating thing in Matthew chapter six that I just want to read through and just talk through with you because it is it is so, so, so unique. And um, it's just special. So let's start here. Matthew 6, verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus sets up everything that he's about to say by saying you can't serve two masters. You cannot have two things that your heart is dedicated and committed to and do that faithfully. You will create difficulty and conflict and pain by having two individuals or two things that are looking for your attention. In this instance, God is um, or Jesus is talking about God and, and following God and following God's will and also following money. So he continues on. He says this in verse 25, Matthew chapter 6. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life. This is fantastic because Jesus is addressing this pyramid of needs. And he's saying literally, quote, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Jesus's message here is a realignment of what we actually believe is necessary in this life. He says, yeah, your body, you know, you have clothes and you need food, you need water. We understand that. But um, let me tell you this, that is not life. That's living, but it's not life. Life is different. Life is very different. And when you worry, when these things go through your head about what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? How are you going to How are you going to be perceived? All these different things. What Jesus says, can you, by worrying about tomorrow's food problem, can you add even a moment to your life by worrying about it? He doesn't say, can you add a moment to your life by doing something? But he says, can you add a moment to your life by worrying about it? And the principle here is really, really powerful. I love this in the chosen, uh, in the chosen, which is just a a free um, Christian media uh, series about the life of Jesus. In the chosen season three, you have Thomas listening to the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus says, "Can all your worry add a single moment to your life?" And Thomas. If you know him from the show or even from the biblical text where he's a warrior, he's a doubter, this really deeply impacts him when Jesus says this. It's this really beautiful moment of going, of going, what is it that I worry about and how is this profiting me? Because Jesus said, you're worrying, can't do anything. Here's the deal. Nothing about worrying enhances our life. There's not a single component about worry that actually makes your life better or makes things um, go more smoothly or causes benefit at all. Worrying is a net loss all the time. Concern and diligence is not worry. Worry is when you sit or you lay or you think and are just consumed by the potentials and the possibilities. 
Now, worrying and action can be interlinked a little bit, but worrying itself doesn't add anything to you. So Jesus continues, verse 28. He, he doesn't stop there. He, he keeps reiterating. And why worry about your clothing? He says, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't make or they don't work and make their clothing. Yet even Solomon, Solomon was a great king in Israel, the richest, wisest person to ever live, the most, uh, the the most splendid, glorious human being to have ever lived, because God supernaturally blessed him. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care. For you, why do you have so little faith? What a beautiful statement. But can you imagine Jesus looking at you when you're worrying, when you're wringing your hands, when you're unsure about things? And can you look at him and, and, and imagine Jesus just looking at you and saying, um, you know, my father cares even for the flowers that are out in that field that are going to be destroyed tomorrow. He cares for them so much. How much do you think he cares for you? Do you think he's taking care of you? Do you think he's loving you? Do you think there's anything he wouldn't do to protect you? And if he followed it by the question, why do you have so little faith? Faith determines our outlook in life. Faith determines our outlook in life, it really does. Jesus compares the worry about these base needs, right? In that in that hierarchy of needs, the bottom of the triangle, three of them, food, water, clothing. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That isn't for you to worry about if you're my follower, if you're one of my sheep. That's for the faithless to worry about because my father, he's the one that will provide everything for you. And if you worry about those things, if you're consumed by those things or you're consumed by things that are parallel to that, right? Like this isn't just about food and clothing and water. This is about all these things that branch out that are also foundational that we seem to prioritize above above um, anything else. We seem to own the responsibility for. What he says is if you are consumed by worry in those areas, then it is your faith that is the thing that's weak and that needs help because faith determines our outlook in life. Jesus cares for us in unimaginable ways. Jesus does not leave us alone. Um, I, th I think about this idea of faith and um, faith is tricky because on the surface, faith is like seriously believing something like you have faith in it. But biblically, and also I think practically faith can be a little bit different. I have kind of thought of it this way, that faith is faith, especially in God. Faith is something, it's a force, it is a belief that's so powerful, it inevitably drives towards action. Faith is something that is so powerful, a belief that is so powerful that inevitably drives towards action. So Jesus says, why do you have so little faith? Why is your belief so weak that's not driving you to trust the Almighty God who created you to provide these things that He knows you need to live. And why do you not believe strongly enough in the God who created you that it's not driving you to realize that life is actually about those higher things 
because your father is providing for everything else. Verse 31, he continues, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? What type of grade will I get? What if this person's angry with me? What if I what if I um don't pass this driving exam? What if my boss calls me and says I'm not doing enough? What if I get fired from my job? What if this person finds out? What if? 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 Don't worry about these things saying what if. Verse 32 of Matthew chapter 6, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. This is where Jesus flips the triangle and says the kingdom of God is actually the number one thing. You may think that food and clothing and water and value and all that stuff is the bottom of the triangle, but what I'm telling you is that you need to flip that upside down and seeking a relationship with God where we're walking in his will, in our families, in our relationships, and with our emotions, and with our reactions, and with our beliefs, that is the thing that's truly foundational to your life. And the Father will come in and he will take care of all of those things that you need when your expectations are aligned with him when you are settled with reality not necessarily what you want but what you need will be provided by God right what you need will be provided by God and this extrapolates out this isn't just talking about food and water of course in the context he's saying yes food and water like these things that these people that are listening to him like sometimes they're wondering am i going to eat today like the romans are occupying our country and am i even going to be able to eat or get water what if the well runs dry all this stuff but for us i believe that what jesus is communicating is that when we are consumed by what ifs and by worry and by fear, we're missing the point, which is that God made us to love him and to know him and to have peace and to have contentment and to turn those worries over to him. As much as our need for food and clothing and shelter and water is a reality that we need that to physically exist in this world, we need the right relationships in our life. And we need purity in our lives and comfort in our lives and peace in our lives to live and experience the life God wants us to live. Those are the real needs that we have that we put secondary, but Jesus says they're actually primary and worry and fear thieves them from us and we can never get them back. I love verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God gives us grace every day to move on, to take the next step, to walk towards him, to be with him. And he says, today has its own troubles. Tomorrow, tomorrow will bring trouble of its own. I absolutely love, uh, I think I, I think that it was in the biography that Chuck Swindoll wrote on the Apostle Paul, though it could have been on a different individual, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was on the Apostle Paul, where he makes this kind of like exclamation. He's like, thank goodness that I didn't know all the bad things that were going to happen to me before they happened to me, because I would have wasted my entire life worrying about when they would happen. But now I can just deal with them as they come. And that's such a good outlook, this idea that, you know, God, even in your goodness, you don't let me know the things that are bad that are going to happen that I'm going to have to deal with. 
Tomorrow has worries and struggles of its own. Bring your mind and your body and your spirit back to this moment with the Lord and choose to rest in him. What Jesus says is not just do this thing. What he says is, I am here to provide for you and to lead you and to give you what you need. This is not a buckle up and just stop worrying. This is a, do you trust that I can do this for you? Do you really trust that I can do this for you? Because if you trust that I can do this for you, the worry melts away and the fear and the impact and the control that the enemy has in our life melts away as well because the main weapon and maybe the only weapon that the enemy has is fear because fear is controlled by lies and lies are against God. And when the enemy can make us fearful of things we don't know are going to happen or things that have happened that we're afraid will happen again or whatever it is, when the enemy has a vice grip of fear in our life, it restricts us from experiencing God's true life. And Jesus just flips that upside down. He says, I got this. I got the things you think you need. I'll provide for the core essentials. I will keep you alive. I will make sure that you have what you need to go on. You need to make sure that you're seeking the kingdom of God above everything else. So to pull this all together, we are in a battle in life between serving two masters, how Jesus starts this whole thing. You can't serve two masters. You'll hate one, despise the other, love one, whatever. We are pulled towards God, and we're pulled towards the system of this world. The pulling of God says, I got you. Your life is about me. Whereas the system of the world says you're on your own. Your life is about making sure you have the essentials and everything else is peripheral. Where Jesus says, no, that's just simply not the case. Jesus says that our faith in him is all that's needed to receive his supernatural provision and guidance. Faith is not just belief. Faith is belief that is so strong, it drives us to action. And when we have faith, we'll have deliverance from fear. I'm not downplaying how hard that is. I'm not downplaying fear. I'm not downplaying worry. What I'm saying is that Jesus's message is that when you grasp grasp faith, it helps to drive away fear. And now, guess what? You have something you know you need to drive for to be free of fear, which is faith, which means when you're feeling fearful, at least you know the foundation of it is that there's a lack of faith. Not that you've done something wrong. Please, not that you've done something wrong, but that you know what to pursue to abolish the way that the fear has control in your life. I just want to say this one last thing. Provision is different than blessing. Saying that your faith in the Lord and your obedience to him and aligning your heart in the direction of your life with the Lord provides provision for you is not saying that if you do good things, you'll experience supernatural blessing from God that's above and beyond what other people experience. Not if you give enough money, you'll receive God's blessing. Not if you behave, you'll receive his love. None of that. Nothing can buy God's love. But our faith in him and following him does naturally result in his ability to give us the things which we need, which are our clothes and our food and our water and the relationships we need and the peace that we need and the contentment that we need and the security that we need, all of these things that the Lord offers to provide. Mm 
So I hope that as we finish out this series on pursuit, next week will be the last episode on our awakening 21 days of prayer and fasting. As we finish our pursuit of the Lord at the beginning of this year, that you would seek after God in a way to increase your faith so that the shackles of fear fall away from you because that fear is the main tactic of the enemy that is holding you down, that is locking you in place. Fear and lies. You'll never be different. You'll never escape this. You could never tell anybody. You'll never have a good reputation. You'll never be free. That's a lie. It's not true. There is nothing that our Savior can't set you free from, and there is no fear that God cannot break you from. And so I just want you to be encouraged to know that you can walk towards every single thing in this life with confidence in the Lord, that you can be walking with him and he'll perfectly provide for you and perfectly direct you. And so until we're together again, I just want to say thank you for joining in on this episode of the Things That Matter Most podcast.